0: Hello, my name's Gary. Emma, and my name is Simon. And this is episode 31 of EV Musings, a podcast about electric vehicles and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On our podcast today, we'll be looking in a little more depth about public charging networks. But before we get started, I want to ask you, Simon, do you now have a date for the next Hearts EV meet?
1: We do indeed. So it's now uh, 16th of February. So we, uh, we didn't want to quite go into uh, into January, uh, ease our way into the new year. But yeah, 16th of January, it's going to be at the Wellin Bakehouse again. First meet was, was there and um, we thought, well, why, why change a habit and uh, go back to somewhere where there is decent charging and uh, decent food. So uh, yeah.
0: And are you going to have a word with Ingenie and see whether they'll put the charges onto free vent for the day?
1: I am. So um, I'm going to be looking to do that and I'm hoping that our one of our one or two of our sponsors may may turn up but more news about that shortly.
0: The um EV meets are starting to gear up now. By the time this episode comes out, uh, there will have been two already, the Yorkshire EV meet which I'm hoping to attend and the first Sussex EV meeting of the yeah. year. So they're now starting to ramp up which I think is an excellent occasion for people to be able to get together and bring particularly bring people who are not necessarily in an EV but you know EV curious, should we say, and uh, meet some people who can give them some information. Our feature topic today is charge networks. What's out there, what do you need to use them, and which ones are the best? And this all arose because of an announcement made a few days ago from charge provider Ionity. Remember, Ionity was a company created by funding from several ICE vehicle manufacturers hoping to get into the EV market they got together to fund a network of chargers across Europe that would benefit the owners of their cars. One of the companies involved is Porsche and as they're producing the Taycan, which can charge at 350 kilowatt charge speed, they wanted chargers that could pump electrons in that fast. So the Ionity network was born. It was universally loved across Europe by everyone who used them for two main reasons. One, they were really, really high powered and fast and they were relatively cheap. The pricing model for Ionity was eight per charge. So eight pounds in the UK, eight euros in mainland Europe, etc. When it got to places like Norway, it went up to 80 Norwegian crowns, etc. But it's the same principle. And this meant that you could, for example, fill a 100 kilowatt hour Tesla P100D from totally empty to totally full for eight pence a kilowatt hour, which is ludicrously (laughs) cheap. And then the announcement came. Ionity are removing the single price of 8 per charge and replacing it with a charge per kilowatt hour. This charge was going to be, wait for it, 77 euro cents per kilowatt hour, which equates to about 69 pence per kilowatt hour. And on the face of it, this is ridiculously expensive. Diesel costs the equivalent of about 65 pence per kilowatt hour, so it's actually more expensive than filling an ICE car plus a move from 8 pence a kilowatt hour to 8 times that price seems to be economic suicide. What were they thinking? Well, we'll come back to Ionity in a minute and finish this conversation. But first, I wanted to spend some time talking about the other companies working in this space. Remember, for the purposes of this discussion, we're talking about charging networks that have freely available charge points open to any member of the public. This, of course, rules out Tesla... As their network is only available to people with a Tesla, we'll come back to Tesla a little later when we revisit Ionity. So, Simon, what are the major charging networks that are around?
1: So, across the uh, mainly the UK, we have Polar, or also now known as BP Charge Master, CYC or Charge Your Car, Ingenie, InstaVolt, Genie Point, Alpha Power, Podpoint, Point, not So Fast Ned, New Motion, Ionity, Shell Recharge, and Charge Place Scotland.
0: Quite a few of those are actually available across Europe as well, and we might touch upon that a little bit later. But yeah, you've mentioned all the major players. Uh, some of them have really good reputations. Some of them don't have such <laughs> good reputations. And which networks you want to use will depend on a lot of different factors. Who has charges close to where you need to charge? which ones are the most or least expensive, and which ones can actually charge your vehicle. So let's look at these in turn and see if we can group them into different categories.
1: Our top two networks here in the UK in terms of reputation and ease of use are Ingenium and Instavolt. Both of these networks allow you to rock up with a standard payment card, swipe and charge. This is the closest to the ICE model that exists at the moment. The problem with a company such as Instavolt is that they limit which vehicles can use them. They don't provide AC charging, so our poor friends in the Renault Zoes are out of luck, unless you've got one of the new ZE50 versions. This is the same for Ionity, but we'll come back to them shortly. So let's look at the ones that are remaining. Of the remaining ones we listed,
0: all of them can be initiated using an app. In fact, some of them can only be initiated using an app. Podpoint, for example, is app-based. Ecotricity is app-based. The others use a combination of app swipe cards and contactless payment let's go through them one once so you'll know what you need if you wish to use them uh simon do you want to start off with polar bp charge master
1: yeah so a lot of these are now contactless you know as are all the newer ones if you want a reduced rate, opt for the Polar Plus subscription. This has a monthly fee and needs an RFID card, which Polar will obviously provide.
0: The next one is CYC, Charger Car. This has an app and an RFID card, which can have a cost per year for the card. CYC was originally set up by Electromotive, but is now owned by BP Chargemaster. And this means that Polar Plus customers with their RFID card can access Charger
1: Your Car points. So then we have GeniePoint. Genie Point use a web app or an RFID card. You create an account on their website and they'll send you the card. Alpha Power.
0: Now, we used Alpha Power on our... Uh, that was the first one we used on our 1,000-kilometer th- uh, trip. And as yeah. you recall, it's app-based. I had the app, so you download it, create an account, register a card against it. And I think you'll agree it worked flawlessly
1: <laughs> uh, and very, very easily. And ridiculously quickly, we should say. Indeed, it did. <laughs> then we have PodPoint. So, um, for this one, you download the app, create an account and register a card against your profile. Starting a charge is easy with the app.
0: And PodPoint, point, I think I'm right in saying you can actually start the charge. You can plug your vehicle in and start a charge, especially on the seven or 22 kilowatt chargers, and you then have 15 minutes in which to confirm the charge on the app, and if you do that, it will continue. If you don't do that, yeah. it will cut off. Absolutely. Uh, Ecotricity, they are app-based. Again, download the app, create an account, register a card against your profile, and starting a charge is relatively easy with the app. Uh, there are a couple of RFID cards still out from earlier iterations of Ecotricity. And they're not generally needed. And they're, as I said, they're a remnant of an earlier setup of those systems.
1: So we've also got Fastnet, download the app. Creating an account and register a card against your profile. Starting a charge is easy with the app. However, you can also use cards from other companies and charge schemes. New Motion or Shell Recharge, Plug Surfing and the Ionity MSPs
0: which did we use because again we used the not so fast uh, ned charger up in sunderland what uh, how did we start that because you did that didn't you
1: that one actually um we used um just via the app um we didn't actually use one of the other required ones so obviously i had a, a new motion and shell recharge which you used at one of the shell ones but yeah I, I believe we used the app and that again that was pretty painless in terms of getting this up and getting it going it was it was quick in terms of Starting it, not so
0: quick in charging. <laughs> 33 kilowatts tops, I think it came out on that, didn't it? Never it mind. Did. Uh, we mentioned New Motion as well. It's uh, similar to Shell Recharge, and indeed, they're owned by the same company. Download the app, create an account, and register a card against your profile. Starting a charge is also easy with the app. i think new motion uh, do they still do the card i think you uh, can actually register for an rfid card as well yeah you?
1: so i for instance i use new motion at work but i can also use my same card for shell recharge and they actually bill at the end of the month so it's a bit like polar plus although without the subscription so okay. you, you you swipe it all the way through the month and then you get a direct debit with the final amount on an electronic bill so then we have ionity then uh can be complicated to start the first time. There's a web-based interface, but they don't provide cards for their machines. In general, you have to use cards from other suppliers, such as ChargePoint.
0: Yeah, I went with Gary Wales up to Gary, who just bought a, a Model 3. Um, mm. I took him up to the Ionity at Milton Keynes, and it literally took us like 15 minutes to get everything set up Not because ready. he tried using <laughs> the web app, it wouldn't work. He then called them and they downloaded the app and then that didn't work. And he ended mm-hmm. up, they had to start it remotely. And I've I've heard anecdotal tales from a number of uh, oh, yeah. Tesla, well, a number of people who've tried, who've gone through the same rigmarole to get it started. But as we said at the top of the show, once you get them started, people tended to like them because they were really, really quick and simple to use. I think I'm right in saying that once you've used... They are the Ionity once with your Model 3 or your Teslas, indeed. It actually remembers that the next time you connect up and it recognizes mm. that it's you and it will start the charge again. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, we will come back to Ionity in a few minutes. Moving on, Shell Recharge again, app base. download the app, create an account, register a card, and you can start the charge with the app. They are very, very similar to New Motion. They're all part mm. of the same company and the, ch-
1: the cards are. Uh, and the apps are interchangeable on those, which leads us to our last one, which is ChargePlace Scotland. For chargers, as the name suggests, are located in Scotland. Access to the ChargePlace Scotland network is made via even RFID card or a smartphone app. A lot of the chargers, including Rapids, are free, although this is starting to change now that the EV uptake in Scotland is increasing. CYC RFID card holders can also use their card to start a charge on these units.
0: We'll talk about why free is not necessarily good uh, a little bit later on. That's basically a summary of the key charging networks that we have in the UK and in a large amount of or a large portion of Europe. So whilst a number of them do use RFID cards or those little RFID fobs that you can attach onto your key ring, the majority of them, you need an app, you need to set that up, you need to uh, register a payment against it. And I I like the fact that we're now going contactless everywhere Mm. uh, because it makes it as simple as it does with the internal combustion engine model. You rock up to your petrol station, you flash your card, and you go. Although having said that, I do like the fact that with a number of the app-based ones or the card-based ones, you can then get a subscription with it and that will actually bring down the overall price per kilowatt hour for the electricity that you get.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if that kind of almost ends up the two options, that you have a, you know the uh, that, that exact model with a subscription, cheap charging, and then maybe the benefits like Polar do. They, they've changed their point system now to Amazon vouchers and various other things, and you usually get money off a coffee somewhere and, and things like that. And then swipe, you can't contact this payment.
0: Before we wrap up with this, let's go through an imaginary example of someone who lives in say Bristol, and regularly visits friends in Exeter with an EV. Bristol is reasonably well served for chargers, especially fast chargers, and it has a number of rapid thrown in there too, and they're provided mainly by Polar CYC, Shell Recharge, Instavolt, Genie Point, and Podpoint. The route between Bristol and Exeter is well served with Tristy chargers, and in Exeter there are Instavolt, Podpoint, and Genie Point chargers, with a Polar or two thrown in there as well. If you were running this route, it would make sense to look at getting a GeniePoint account, an RFID card, as well as installing the Polar app or getting the Polar Plus monthly subscription, depending on which are your preferred charges and how often you're going to want to use them. I think the calculation works out that uh, for Polar Plus, if you put more than 160 kilowatt hours of charge in your car per month on Polar, it's cheaper to use the Polar Plus than the app. If you use uh, pay-as-you-go, that number drops considerably. It may well also be worth getting a Podpoint account and downloading their app as well. You won't need an RFID card for most of the Podpoint chargers in either place.
1: And so if you're going to be stopping on the motorway services between the two places, depending on your range, you might want to look at getting the EcoTristy app as well and signing up. Be warned, however, that Ecotricity's reputation is not good at the moment, especially if you need a CCS charge for your car. Shedder Murray seems to be much better. Uh, yes, indeed. So oh. let's
0: sort of round out now and go back to where we started and talk about Ionity. As we mentioned at the top of the show, Ionity have increased their charging costs to what seems to be a prohibitively expensive rate. And indeed, if you just rock up at, say, the Ionity charger in Maidstone or Milton Keynes, or in our scenario above at Columpton on the M5 when it opens, you're going to be paying through the nose for your charge. But cast your mind back to one of the first things I said about Ionity. Ionity was a company created by funding from several internal combustion engine vehicle manufacturers hoping to get into the EV market. They got together to fund a network of chargers across Europe that would benefit the owners of their cars. Looking into this in more detail, it appears that all those manufacturers are providing subscription services for owners of those cars to use the Ionity chargers at a rate which is much reduced from the standard pay-as-you-go rate. The Audi e-tron charging service, Mercedes me-charge, BMW charger now, Porsche charging service and VW we Charge offer rates which can be down to around 30 pence a kilowatt hour with a monthly subscription. This is not too far from the rates being charged by Polar, for example, for their Polar Plus subscription. Remember that high power chargers on Polar Plus, which are about half as fast as the Ionity ones, are 20p per kilowatt hour. The Polar Instance rates on their 150 kilowatt hour charges are 35p a kilowatt hour and the contactless rates are 40p per kilowatt hour. Social media went wild this week when this announcement was made with lots of people mad in the network that effectively shut out owners that didn't have a specific brand of car and wouldn't be able to use this network, whilst, at the same time, praising the Tesla supercharger network a network that effectively shut out owners that didn't have a specific (laughs) brand of car and wouldn't be able to use its network. Now, don't get me wrong. 66 pence per kilowatt hour for charging is way too expensive at this point for the EV uptake cycle. The reputational damage that this will do to both Ionity and EV uptake overall is huge. But it's exactly what other charge networks have done and will do in the future. Ecotristi invested a lot of money, not all of it their own, in the electric highway, several years back, they ran it for free for a long time, then started charging there was uproar. polar put in a huge network of fifty kilowatt charges across the country and charged nine pence a kilowatt hour plus vAT on polar plus now they've upgraded charges to contactless and added high power charges too. The rates went up to as much as forty pence a kilowatt hour uproar these networks are expensive to run polar provided 80 megawatt hours of charging to the public on Friday the 17th of January alone even if they buy that at the same price I pay for my Octopus Go overnight energy which they don't that's £4,000 just in electricity for one day for the chargers these chargers are also expensive to install a high power charger can cost upwards of £100,000 per unit when you take into account groundworks and signage etc These costs all have to be recouped. Charging a low, low price isn't about to do that. As Neil Roberts from the Sussex EV said in our roundtable episode when we asked about free charging.
1: I very much am of the opinion that I want to see investment into charging infrastructure and investment into the infrastructure will only happen if if they become close to self-funding. These charge points have to be able to make a profit so that the people installing them can have enough money to put more in. So I would much rather see far fewer free charging points and a lot more paid charging points as long as the payment is not over the top.
0: The balance comes in offering a service that's cost effective but also covers the overheads and allows a little bit of profit without being so prohibitively expensive that non-EV owners look to dismiss EVs as a potential option because nobody really wants that, do they? So let's wrap it up by seeing if there's some cool EV or renewable thing you've come across that we can share with our listeners.
1: Yes, here's mine. Shell to be the first to remove traditional fuels from a forecourt and replace with an EV-only forecourt. Let that sink in for a while. Fulham to be the first site with completion at mid next year and planning permission already is in progress. New forecourt will have ten, 150 kilowatt chargers, along with a solar panelled roof. And um, apparently, this is part of a of Shell's longer term plan for moving to a, I suppose, a more energy supplier rather than a fossil fuel company. Mm-hmm. Shell believes, as they have currently 71% of stations within 15 minutes of people's homes, they believe this puts them in the perfect position in terms of the EV network. Shell expects to have 70 charging posts by the end of this year and 200 by the end of next year. But as always, time will tell. Hmm. So, What do you reckon about that? Because I'm, I, I've got to be
0: honest, I'm a little sceptical. Uh, m-
1: me too. So there's, there's two reasons why I'm sceptical. One is, um, obviously, we know that a certain other company is coming in to put large-scale EV-only forecourts in. Mm-hmm. that. In Itself is it again if it actually comes out because we still haven't heard anything, it's now January. Mm-hmm. Their first one's meant to be when was it April, March or April? Yeah, for, something for, like that. for, yeah. for Braintree and yeah. nothing, so it could be a, a, re- a reaction to that. The other thing that makes me skeptical is that they're now saying 70 charge posts by the end of this year and 200 by the end of next year. So, anyone that's been following Shell in the last I don't know, six months or a year. About a year ago, they announced this great shell recharge network, and what did we see? We saw some posts around out of London, and a few, I think, a couple up north, Uh, and they are starting to, you know, spread out across the country, but nowhere near as kind of aggressive as what they made out when they were first talking about this. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm skeptical in that. I don't think it would be those would roll out as quickly as they're saying. Although, you know. They've got them, certainly got the money to. But I think for a company that's fossil fuel based to suddenly turn around and saying, right, we're going to take this existing fuel station, take those out and put EV posts in, that's got to be a failing petrol station, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They don't come across the sort of company that says, right, you know, in order to do this, we're actually going to be the first people, like in America we've seen, where they've uh, not necessarily take them out, but they've repurposed a, an old petrol station so i if i was a better man i would and i don't know this for facts but i would imagine fulham wasn't quite making enough money and they saw it as an opportunity to do something with it
0: i'm looking at this from a numbers point of view shell expects to have 70 charging posts by the end of the year and 200 by the end of next year so they're looking at putting an extra 130 in Mm. in the year But they then start that paragraph off by saying it believes that as they have 71% of stations within 15 minutes of people's home, they believe this puts them in the perfect position. But 130 (laughs) charges is not going to cover 71% of this, (laughs) especially if they're putting 10 of them in at every forecourt or every forecourt that they decide to transfer across from fossil fuel to electricity. So you do the maths and you're looking at... 13 of them I mean even if they only put five in 26 fuel stations across the whole of the UK and
1: where they put them in as well that's the location I mean got what the first one in Fulham which yep. I suppose a bit like BP charge Marshall didn't they They put that um, one in Hammersmith yep. so I kind of get that but where the other's going to go unless they're going to be motorway services I don't know I can't see prime locations the the other the, the you know the, the company we were talking about before they're talking quite a substantial number and I couldn't cr- a substantial size, almost overtaking motorway services. Mm-hmm. I can't see these going to, you know, probably your 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 town or my town or something like that. They're almost, you know, Manchester sized places or things like that and scattered across the country. But again, th- these are charging hubs, but it seems a strange a strange approach all of a sudden. It came out of nowhere literally today, this announcement. And like you said, the numbers don't add up.
0: Indeed, but the flip side to that and if you put a positive spin on it 200 new charges. Sorry, 200 charges in the Shell network by the end of next year. Always welcome. Always welcome. My cool thing is the world's first commercial electric plane. It's a seaplane run by a company called Harbour Air, and it made its test flight at the end of last year. Harbour Air is a small airline running flights in Western Canada between Vancouver, Seattle, and the islands and inlets in that area. They run only seaplanes and they converted a de Havilland DHC-2 Beaver to run on a 750 horsepower, which is 560 kilowatt, Magni 500 propulsion system. With the successful first flight, they can now look to convert all of its 30 planes to electric and continue to carry the 500,000 passengers it carries on 30,000 commercial flights every year. I believe I read somewhere that the range of the battery on this plane would allow them to cover around 90% 95% of their flights with no issue. I also read that 75% of worldwide airline flights were a 1,000 miles or fewer in range. So this is definitely an area that electric aviation can target. For longer routes, we do need to look at alternate solutions. But I find it very, very interesting that whilst everybody looks at the big picture and says, you know, we need to make electric 747 so that we can get from London down to Sydney without any fossil fuels. And if we could, that would be fantastic. But if you look at the statistics, and seventy-five percent of the airline flights worldwide are fewer than a thousand miles, that's definitely an area that can be targeted, and it's Absolutely. what Harbour Air have looked at.
1: Yeah, you can imagine like flights to Europe being in an, an easy first fix, isn't it? I mean, a few hundred miles, five hundred miles, whatever it may be, to you know, from say the UK to Paris, UK to Germany, you can take. That aviation fuel out of the equation. That'd be really good.
0: And that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact us, Simon is at The EV Side on both Twitter and YouTube. And I'm The Real Garrison on Twitter. If you want to contact us, use either of those or our own EV Musings Twitter account, Musings EV. If you're wanting a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Gone Electric. It's available on Amazon worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoyed this podcast please subs- if you enjoyed this podcast please subscribe, leave us a review, preferably five star but you know that's mm-hmm. entirely up to you. It helps raise the profile of the podcast and gets us out to a larger audience. Thanks for listening. Bye bye.